this is Ryan. Whatever. <laughs> a good start, Steve. This is Steve. Oh, I guess I'm back, too. Yeah. My name's Jody. Oh, and... pull, pull your mic a little closer than that. Sorry. Is that better? That's a little better. All right. Do you need to say your name again? My name is Jody. Awesome. Well, You're listening to 60 Cycle Home, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. <laughs> Lots of attitude on that one, Steve. All right, eat some sweet potatoes. That's a that's an intro for the best of episode. Steve is going to be eating this whole episode. He's got a plate of food there, so prepare yourselves for some really gross. Dude, sound. this uh, this pulled chicken thing jerk is it jerk chicken? It's just pulled barbecue pulled chicken. barbecue chicken. I'm down. Yeah, I'm down to clown. Sure, we've got Jody back here from uh, Cosonic. Came all the way back. That, yeah, thanks. For another week. I judge traffic a little better this time. Yeah, yeah. This Everyone knows that we record two weeks in a row, so it's a big joke, and everyone's laughing right now. <laughs> Steve, what are you doing? You're driving me nuts. I'm avoiding the microphone while I'm eating. <laughs> ah, strategic. <laughs> Do we have anything new to talk about this week? You told me that we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this entire episode is just going off the rails. <laughs> What are we doing right are now? Are we on the crazy train? We're on the crazy train. Oh. This episode is brought to us by Guinness Extra Stout. Yeah, we're drinking beer still. Okay, we don't have anything new to talk about. Should we jump straight into ads? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Part of me wants to restart over, but... Uh, what a, if you want to restart over, no. I can recreate everything I've done so far. Yeah, I know that you will. It's, it's not going to get any better than this. <laughs> It'll get a little better. It'll be more polished. Polished? Polished. Polish? I did not say Polish. <laughs> but, oh, oh man. you can tell this is the second episode of the night. I could go loopy. for a Polish sausage right now. Oh, my gosh. Okay, the first ad. Five, NOS, new old stock, Russian pedals, Lel... Delay Flanger Phaser Tremolo Chorus. Lel is the brand. I did not know about these pedals until I saw this ad on Reverb. It's two hundred and forty bucks for the lot. In Soviet Russia, pedals play you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. In Soviet Russia, pedal distort you. <laughs> yeah, these. I didn't know about these pedals until I saw this ad. They. Uh, a listener of the show pointed out that uh, the pedals are framed against a teddy bear pentagram sort of oh. situation here. Like, the, the teddy bear is, like, in this pentagram shape. And okay. Bizarre, like, occult imagery here. The only <laughs> thing I ever associate with, like, Russia and guitar is, like, soap tech and the Big Muff. So these pedals are nuts. Uh, let me look, look through the description of what's available here. Uh, CZ Delay Reverb. Detune chorus like on video but different appearance. TSPS phase and tube screamer. That's a pedal that is a phaser and a tube screamer. That's one pedal. That's one pedal. That first That's pedal. Pretty the, creative. The first pedal, the CZ, was all four of those things: a delay, reverb, detune, and chorus, all in one pedal. A CH and FL cool analog chorus and flanger. Those are two separate pedals. And a TR, very good tremolo with the ability to change the wave. Lel pedals are not issued now. It's rare opportunity. I feel like this ad was written by someone who's in Russia. No, the, the well, it's lo- a Sergei's gear garage. Yeah. 
So there's definitely a Russian thing from going Saint on here. Petersburg. So yeah, no, he, this is he's in, definitely in Russia. He's in this Russia. Is in Russia. That's why only sh- thirty dollars shipping. Yeah, how can he ship these for thirty bucks from Russia, but it cost you sixty five <laughs> to send them to New Zealand? These pedals are and that teddy bear are drug mules. Is what's going on? Oh. Because, because in Soviet Russia, pedals ship you. <laughs> Yeah, that teddy bear is just com- completely Sergey will the send ears. you these pedals, but his friend, yeah, Ivan yeah. will meet you at the airport when gotta, they show you up. You gotta yeah. hold on to the teddy bear, and Ivan will pick it up for yeah. for you. <laughs> this is just padding from box. You give to me now. That's probably why it's two hundred and forty dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was looking up videos of these pedals, and they're crazy. They have videos for these. Yeah, there's a couple of videos around on the YouTube's. And they're crazy. These things sound nuts and glitchy and kind of beautiful in the worst way possible. I almost wanted to pull the trigger on this just to like try some of these out because it is a the it is a good price for the bundle of these for two forty. Some of these go for for more than than they're cut. Really, forty? Yeah. Should we Not just like pool our money and go for this right now? And we'll Rochambeau who gets to keep what? <laughs> Maybe I don't even know if it's up still. This was like a week or so ago. Yeah, it, I think they might be up still. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a good chance, huh? <laughs> but the 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 one that was really crazy was the delay reverb detune chorus, like on video, but different appearance. Um, it was just like they figured out some sort of circuit with a few tweaks of a knob or a switch could turn from each of effect into the other, and they're all just super wonky and super glitchy. There's it's just weird stuff. I'm gonna post you know the pictures of the ads to the Facebook group and you, maybe some videos because these things are just crazy. This if you're like in a noise band. Or some kind of weird experimental sort of thing. This is right up your alley. Doms and Ford. You hmm. probably already know about these. And you're, they're probably already on your list. But these are right up your alley. Like weird, glitchy noisemakers. Don't rely on them too hard. Because if they break, Sergey might not be able to get your replacement too <laughs> I know, soon. right? And d- don't open up the teddy bear. The, the teddy bear has something for Ivan in it. <laughs> oh, jeez. He'll be at your house at five. <laughs> There's like a major shipping problem with these pedals. Don't and look at his face. Ivan shows up and they haven't arrived yet. Where Where is Bear? <laughs> I'm looking for Bear. <laughs> Sergey told me Bear is here. Oh, the pedals haven't arrived yet. There's you lied a, to me. There's a shipping problem. I'll be back. I'll be back tonight. You have Bear. <laughs> like this guy shows up three times a day looking for his bear. <laughs> it's just a nightmare scenario. This is why we lost the Cold War. <laughs> Did we lose the Cold War? I don't remember. I just said that because I thought it would make a bunch of people I feel mad. Like, I feel like everyone lost the Cold War. It was kind of a weird lose-lose. Well, Gorbachev did tear down that wall. He did tear down that wall. Yeah, so that's a win. And right? we got the Hoff up on that wall. The Hoff. Yeah. Is he up on the wall? No, he was. He like did a performance standing. Oh, on really? It. Yeah, he like played his his rock and roll for the Germans. I wonder uh, if his Soviets band used these pedals. What's that? <laughs> did his band use these pedals? Probably. I hope so. You can play, but must use these. But who puts a flame, a, a, a phaser, and a tube screamer together? And I don't yeah. think it's the sort of thing where you a run genius. Them, I don't think it's the sort of thing where you run them both at the same time. It's either or. 
Yeah, but you don't know which you're going to get. There's <laughs> <laughs> a, a 50-50 chance when you turn the pedal Well, if you on. look, they didn't figure out that you could put two switches on a pedal yet. So uh, it's just like, it's pure lottery. <laughs> but who's like, oh yeah, I want a Tube Screamer or a Phaser? That actually just gave me a great idea. What if you had like a pod, like some kind of po- simple, like a simplified pod, like with maybe just effects, which I guess would just be like a boss Emmy unit. Sure, sure. And, um... Excuse me, you had like a pedal that was like a randomizer, and when you hit the pedal, it be- played like oh Russian roulette with your signal, and it would just like select a random like tone from the preset bank. So, we're talking about a pedal made by Google, and the, the foot pedal is just a surprise me option. Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like a you know, you type in the search in Google, and then you click, do I feel, do you feel lucky? <laughs> right, right. And whatever you get is whatever you get. And you get the DOD grunge. <laughs> <laughs> With the unicorn mod. Yeah. <laughs> when you were hoping for a nice shimmery chorus. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next ad. Look up those pedals. I'll post the videos on the Facebook group. If you're not on there, get on there. What are you doing? But give Ivan the bear. Don't try and keep it. Yeah, don't try yeah. to keep the bear. Don't open the bear. Don't look at Ivan. All right. Uh, we got, <laughs> Ivan has enough troubles. You don't need to make his day harder. We got this uh, ad sent to us from Terrence Jones. Thank you, Terrence uh, Jones. This is from the Gear Talk Classifieds, which I... Is it? Oh, my gosh. This is... Actually, that's one of my favorite things about this ad is it kind of is coming full circle for us. Uh-huh. Um, but this is uh, for sale only, custom-built, double-neck telly. One of the things that's entertaining about this is there's a s- small chance that this guy listens to the podcast because oh, we've sure. promoted on Gear Talk so much. If you're listening and you, this is your, your guitar, I'm sorry for everything we're about to say. Yeah, <laughs> Earmuffs. Uh, <laughs> Maybe turn it off now and skip forward like 15 minutes. All right, so for sale only, custom-built, double-neck telly with B-bender on top neck. An F-sharp bender on baritone neck. This thing is nutballs looking. Comes with custom-built G&G case, mint condition, $3,000 firm, PayPal only. I actually have a little more than that invested in it. It's a one-of-a-kind guitar, no joke. Uh, private message me for more picks and specs. I will post a YouTube video of it in action in the comments. I never bothered trying to hunt this down and watch the video. Uh, this guitar, I don't, I I, have seen double neck guitars before. I have never seen a double B bender. This is a B B bender. Yeah. And the, the the, the, bender, the bender It's like, it's why they don't make B batteries because people would just think he had a stutter. B batteries. The thing that's crazy about this is if you wanted to use the B bender, you also have to use the F sharp bender. Like yeah. it's 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 a single it's mechanically unit. linked. It's one mega pull. So it's like if you are playing both necks at once for some reason, right? Um, this is a four hundred dollar guitar with a twenty six hundred dollar B bender rig in it. That's what's going on here. A super over engineered B bender rig. I'm I'm joking. It's not actually that cheap of a guitar. I'm I'm betting this is a really nice guitar. Yeah, I mean, you would have had to have had this custom built. This is looks really nice, but. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's going to use this? It's well, just, it's, I don't. You know what? And it's, the other side is a baritone. I love baritone guitars, but let's get real, guys. You don't need it on a double neck. A double neck is for six string and 12 string. Or like 
do it like 50s style and have like a six string and a mandolin on the top side, that makes sense. Like something completely different. If you've got a baritone guitar and you need it to be a regular guitar, that's what capos are for. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's You true. don't need another neck. You need a capo, a $15 thing. I think this was made by a chiropractor to drum up business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this thing's got to weigh like 30 pounds. It's crazy looking. And I, who would have put... Who's like, I want a double neck guitar. I want them both to have a B-bender. <laughs> Same B-bender. Call can, me nuts, but I yeah, like this. You can do... Because they have the B-benders that work off of the... Uh, if you don't know what a B-bender is, it's a really nifty piece of... Uh, country ingenuity it bends your b-string yeah and it's it's hooked up to your 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 strap button on uh, on the top horn and basically you push down on the guitar and it pulls against that strap button and does um, has all this gear working throughout the guitar and and levers and stuff to bend just the b string on the guitar yeah it's like a giant rube goldberg machine right and they make ones where you can bend tight on the uh, on your front horn on your front uh, uh, strap button, mm-hmm. and then you can push on the uh, your tail strap button, and it'll actually loosen. Really, they make different varieties. What they should have done on this was have the the one guitar's bender on one strap button, and the other guitar's bender on the other strap button, or just not have bothered. Or just not have bothered, or done, <laughs> or done two fifteen hundred dollar guitars instead. This thing's just nuts. I, it's you nuts. Know. I want to hear the song that this was designed to play. I know, right? This is for one song out of a band set. You just know it, right? Because I made a baritone with a B bender. Like, there's okay. So, what did the song this sound is a tr- that you needed a B bender on your baritone? <laughs> there's a lot of B's going on. A baritone B B bender. All right, Jason Dunkel. Um, if you listen to this podcast ever, send us the song that you played this guitar on. Yeah. Dying to hear it. We oh will gosh. we will play it because we play everything. Other note though, I love gold. <laughs> I love the finish on this thing. <laughs> it have, is really nice. Gold. It's really pretty. I probably wouldn't have done the perloid pit guard. I like a flatter pit guard. Yeah, that's the only thing that's holding off for me. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I I'm not gonna get it because of that. <laughs> None of the other stuff. <laughs> you do have to get a custom pit guard for this thing, so it's not you can't just swap that. It's uh it's his own thing. Also it's two telecasters, and I'm not a telecaster fan, so why would yeah. I buy two uh con- permanently connected. This is Siamese Twins Telecasters. Right. This would give me osteoporosis. <laughs> hey, do, do, you, uh, do you promote uh, CoSonic on Craigslist at all? No. No, okay. No. We might get people asking if they could trade this for pedals. Sure. I figured you'd probably ask, get people asking if you know they could buy your pedals in exchange for like Nigerian wealth or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Should we jump to the next ad? This is gonna yes. be this is gonna be a fast episode. We should probably pick up that uh, fourth ad that we meant to do on as an option on the last episode. Sure. Uh, you want to do that one right now? What was it? Uh, that holy guitar. The whole, oh yeah, yeah. You want to read that? The holy guitar. Yeah. Well, it's not. There's no holes in it. It's it's righteous. Steve, chew your food. <laughs> do you want me to read this? This is so gross. Fender. St- <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to read it? No. Oh, come on. It sounds so bad in the <laughs> headphones. Just put the noise gate a little higher this is, on that part. This is, this is why we don't do a video cast like Wampler. <laughs> Fender Special Blank Edition Guitar, $300. So for $300, I'm going to fill in that blank. The blank is Jesus. The blank is Jesus. Fill, I felt- the, fill the blank in your guitar with Jesus. <laughs> Special Edition Fender Jesus Praiseworthy Guitar. Custom color. In excellent condition. We are a pawn shop that has acquired this Fender Special Edition Wait, is guitar. Is this the same guy as the last ad, the Russian guy? <laughs> yes, we sir, we are a pawn shop. <laughs> Jesus guitar comes with bear. <laughs> um, Everything comes with bear. <laughs> so, um, Fender Special Edition guitar in excellent condition. That is now uh, for sale in the public for only 300 bucks, and a bunch of information about the pawn shop. This is in Jonesboro. I don't know where Jonesboro is. Did someone send this to us? Yeah. We don't know who. It was in the group, I think. Yeah. We just love our group, we think. Anyway, so this guitar says... Basically, I don't know what the original manufacturer of this was. It was probably Squire. Sure. Or maybe a Fender Mexican. Looking at the nut and the truss rod, it looks Squire to me. Oh, you know what? I could have looked at the pictures and figured it out, but I didn't. It's got the, the, the truss hole that doesn't have the uh, the little brown washer in it. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, that's Squire. Yeah. And it's got that, you can, just that that nut looks cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so this, instead of saying Fender Stratocaster on it, it says Jesus Praiseworthy. And that's fine. Like, I think Ryan and I agree with that. Sure, sure. Um, Steve and I are both church guys. I don't know if you're a person of faith at all, Jody, or any have any religion or anything. I feel like you're leaving. (laughs) We're getting shrugs. That's fine. But, you know, it's it's whatever. (laughs) It's, It's the idea that, like, I don't know. If you do this to your guitar, you severely limit it's resaleability but most people most people with guitars aren't thinking about resaleability though of course this was turned into a pawn shop yeah um but it's just the so, someone kind of tur- like the lowest rung of resaleability yeah, someone isn't it? sold this to a pawn shop so they could buy drugs yeah wait oh a my minute God. <laughs> it's just one of those things where like i, I look at it and like it looks well done it looks like the wa- it looks like the water slide or whatever was used was was you know decently put together the decal or whatever. Sure, but it, I don't. I don't. As a as a as a church person, I don't get it. Well, at church, like you don't even need that because that's what everyone is there for. Like you're not conveying a message that that people aren't already like somebody in the audience forgot. Right, right, right. 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 That's oh, why like, I'm here. Oh, oh shoot, I just saw the headstock of his guitar. Oh, this oh, this I is remembered a, where I was. Oh, this did, is a religious ceremony. We just did three songs about God. I thought oh, Jesus. Oh, I thought we were here to worship Satan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I don't get it. And, and then the, in turn like I just don't feel like and I know there's guys I mean, it's, it's there are a, people who will disagree, but like there I know people who will Take this guitar and go play at like the local like honky tonk or whatever. Sure, because it's a ministry tool. Hey, why does your guitar say Jesus on it? And I just, 
I don't know, man. Like have that com- like have a real conversation about that. Like, don't, yeah, don't rely on your guitar to have that conversation sure. for you. I, you know, I play bar gigs all the time, and whenever I talk to people, it's like, oh yeah, that this is you know the gear I use here, and I have this other gear that I use at church. Right. It's like that stuff. You know, it's fine to have that conversation, but it's got to be natural. You don't need to have this thing. This is. This is, I think it's a sad thing to do to a guitar to do a novelty headstock graphic. Do you need a separate one to play the bar that says, like, whiskey drinkable or something on it? Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah, his other guitar for bar music is the Fornication Caster. (laughs) You need one that instead of saying, Jesus Praiseworthy says... Waitress tip worthy. Oh my gosh, Steve, chew your food. (laughs) (laughs) Food chew worthy. (laughs) Oh man, this is a rough episode. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, let me finish this Guinness. Okay, the drinking sounds fine. The chewing, this is the first time. We'll see how the chewing turns out on on the recording. Alright. Yeah, I, you know... I think this is like a Squire. Yeah, it's a Squire guitar. Like a bullet. I mean, if if you're if you really need this, then I can see someone doing this modification on their guitar. But you have to be like, you have to realize there's you're severely dinging the resale value of your guitar. You know, in a sense, there's kind of like an irony about taking like the cheapest guitar ever made. Yeah, and putting that on there, like. Okay. And then cranking the price up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. a mean, bullet would go for what? Like 50 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Under know, 100. So we're talking like a $200 water decal? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and you think about like there are, there's a company called Warrior Guitars that is uh-huh. a like explicit, as far as I know, like they're, like they had a guitar model called like the Lamb of God and it's got like, right. a, a like carved lamb in it. With like a crown of thorns on it, and it's like very. They do like a lot of guitars, but that's the stock guitar. That's the gar- guitar as it comes. It's it's the guitar as it comes, and it's a four thousand dollar guitar. Yeah, like it's a piece of craftsmanship. Now, a lot of people think they're like super ugly, which is whatever. Like it's aesthetics. Everyone has their opinion, but the point is like the the peop- the guy that makes warrior guitars is pouring like his lifeblood into it. The person that made this guitar that became the Jesus Praiseworthy was a 10-year-old in Indonesia. (laughs) (laughs) You're supporting child slavery. Child labor by by buying this water slide decal and converting your your $75 Squire Strat into uh, your your church guitar. Buy some sandpaper and a Sharpie. Exactly. does, maybe that's why this guitar is 300 something bucks is because it comes with all it's 300 even it comes with all the sandpaper and refinishing tools that you need to get that off of there it comes with the original squire water slide <laughs> lovingly removed so you could reapply it <laughs> oh man alright you want to hit this last ad oh yeah let's do it uh, let me get to it who's reading it you read it. You're the All one. All right. You're the one who found this. I teased I this ad it. a little bit last week. You did? Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I said I started to read the ad, and you All guys right, whatever. Like, what are you doing? Excellent guitars. Make offer two fifty. Oh. Seriously, are all these ads from the same Russian guy? Oh my god. Make offer. 
I haven't played guitar for years and I have no need to hold on to these anymore. I need to get them to good homes as soon as possible. I put a ton of money into these and they're all fantastic high quality instruments. I'll accept reasonable cash offers for any or all. The, excuse me. Dang. So much class this episode. <laughs> no. These must go in the next few days. So set. So act now. The Strat is sold. So there's five guitars here. Oh, the Strat sold. The Strat huh? is sold. The Heritage H525 is worth over 3K. $1,000 OBO. Oh, it's a 525? All right, anyway. The Warmoth is custom and worth 2K, $400 OBO. The Warmoth is like a PRS style thing. Uh-huh. Epiphone is worth 650 He wants 254 I don't know about that. Uh, the Epiphone is an acoustic. The orange guitar oh, yeah. is made from scratch and is a hollow body tally style. Has a very unique, cool sound worth 1700 300 OBO. Um, so when this guy is saying that things are worth a certain amount, he's saying what he actually paid to put them together. There's yeah. no a, way. A warm-off guitar, you know, even the, the best one, is not really worth 2K. That's what you spent putting it together, buying parts from Warmoff. It's not actually worth that because you're just the you know what makes a guitar worth two k is the person who built it and did the finishing on it. Unless you tell us who you are and back up, like your your value as a builder right. is not worth that. But look at the telly. He's saying it's worth seventeen hundred bucks. It looks like it was whittled out of his old deck. Boards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I've seen tellies that look like this before and the thing that's rough with the with the picture and not seeing it on like a big screen is it does actually have like a really nice flame. It looks like there's some it. weird like hole underneath the pick guard. Like yeah, he, there's some like he did some sort of like tribal tattoo. There's like a hole. Tri- no, <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. back and like <laughs> yeah, keys on it. <laughs> there are some weird things going on. It's a single P90 in the neck position. Semi-hollow or hollow body... Tel- I guess it's a hollow body Telecaster. But it's got this like funky, not quite F-hole thing going on. Like I said, tribal tattoo. Is that I- like a floating bridge too? It looks like a jazz bridge. Like the- it would be on like an old Gretsch. Yeah, it's it's like one of those wood... Yeah, it's a floating bridge. Like a- 1700, Ivan will pick it up. Yeah, it comes with a bear. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I actually emailed this dude... Um, now that I think about it, uh, now that we are talking about it, uh-huh. and this is what he said. You can come see them. Text me. Phone number. Heritage Strath Warmoth. This was before he added the models and prices. Uh-huh. Because uh, I was like, what are they? And he's like, Heritage Strat Warmoth Epiphone, a custom built from scratch. Can give you the details of each, but I'm in the process of packing and would rather just show them to you and explain. These are all guitars that I have loved. The Heritage alone was over $3,000. I'm just looking to get these out of here, so don't let that scare you. What do you I'm in the process of hacking? Of packing. Sorry, oh, did I say hacking? hacking. Yeah, he, he's like, the dude's like moving in. Yeah. So okay. I, the I, I the Heritage say, is the one that caught my eye. Yeah, I will say like at $1,000. They're nice guitars. They, they're really nice guitars. Yeah, at $1,000, you could probably buy the Heritage and like make. 20 to 30 percent isn't heritage the company that sprung up out of the old gibson plant yeah heritage old employees or something that kept the old factory yeah kalamazoo plant heritage uh, gibson used to be in kalamazoo michigan and then when they moved to nashville 
a bunch of like their factory workers were like, we don't, we can't move or we don't want to move or whatever. And so they stayed in Kalamazoo and they started Heritage. And they make excellent guitars. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. If you're if you're looking for a nice Gibson alternative, especially these days, the 2015 days, uh, Heritage is a good place to start looking. Because it's it's people building Gibson style guitars the way they used to be built. I think they yeah. use a lot of the old machinery too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. They, their headstock is a little different. It's not the same as Gibson. A lot of people don't like it, but I actually I think it's cool looking. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's not bad. Uh, it's not. It, it has a little bit of a slant to it. It's not wide like the Gibson headstock, but it's classy looking. I'm I'm a little bit of a headstock snob, and I I don't mind this one at all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was looking at that. There's flip potential here, but it's like big money flip potential. You've got to be willing to drop. Uh, what does he want? He wants a, he wants one k for the heritage. There's. Probably about forty to fifty percent flip potential there. Maybe, maybe that uh, if it's clean. If it's clean, yeah. I didn't look up the five twenty five. I thought this was a five seventy five, and the five seventy five typically go from thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's an again, yeah, that's an easy thirty to fifty percent. Sure. I mean, you've got to line up a buyer for that. It's it's probably not going to happen on your local Craigslist. Yeah, you need to go big market, Reverb or eBay. Absolutely. And then you got to figure out how to ship a guitar to do that. Uh, you know how to do that in a box, Jody. Boxes, yeah, yeah, boxes work great. I've never shipped a guitar. I've only done pedals, so that like intimidates me thinking about trying to ship a guitar. It's a box. Bubble wrap that, is your friend. It's Bubble a wrap. box that you put a guitar in and a stamp. <laughs> what we're talking about here is a box that the guitar goes in. Exactly. Yeah. So this is an interesting ad. The guy is moving. He's got a bunch of his project guitars and two stock guitars. Because the Strat was a project too, right? That was a Warmoth. I don't. I don't. I think the Strat was a Fender with like some. I the there's a hot rail in the bridge. Yeah. I don't know what else is on it. That was the guitar that I was interested in. But like living where I live. Going to North Park on like a moment's notice just wasn't in the cards. Yeah, and these I are just, all bigger ticket items too. I just didn't want to do like the negotiation that that much with it. So I I kind of emailed him. Like I said, I emailed him, and I, I was mostly interested in the strap. But like, unless I was going to get a flip level deal, like one eighty, two hundred, I wasn't going to deal. With, I wasn't going to yeah. mess with it anyway. Because he didn't even say if it's American or Mexican or yeah, if it's and, a project. In the original ad, it was just like. Five guitars. Let me know what you're interested in. Yeah. I don't know why people do ads like that. <laughs> Way to narrow it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, looking for five guitars. Yeah, when it was fact, originally listed, I really... And there was no price. Now he has prices yeah, on Yeah, when it was originally listed, there were no prices. And I really thought about like, hey, what's the... Sending him, hey, what's the deal with that, set, with that hollow body... I'll give you like 300 bucks for that. Yeah. See if he didn't even know what he had. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, if you're not going to give me any information, then part of me feels bad for trying to rip you off. But part of me is like, that's kind of... Hey, he's got to move. You're not ripping him off. You're helping him move. Yeah. It's one less thing he has to pack because guitars take up so much space in your U-Haul. They kind of do. Do they? Especially if you're like us and this guy who's got multiple guitars. These are just the ones he's selling. That's true. He's probably got... If he's selling five guitars, it probably means he's got at least 50 How many guitars do you own, Jody? Uh, Probably about five. Oh. 
That's not that bad. Yeah. I've got like 14. Oh, really? It's pretty bad. Yeah, there's four in this room. There's like another four upstairs. Yeah, but only three of these are mine. One of them's yours. Oh, yeah. One of these is mine. Oops. Yeah. Uh, I got I, guitars all over the I house. I own a depressingly high amount of guitars for a guy that plays bass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time you buy a guitar, I'm like, that's cool. I don't know when the last time I saw you play guitar was. <laughs> that's because when I play guitar, you don't have to come to church. That's true. Because I'm playing guitar in your spot. Yeah, you're filling my spot. Thanks a lot, Steve. You're welcome. I don't get to play guitar that week. <laughs> uh, I played guitar like a month ago. Yeah, I, I I was there for that. I think. Oh, that's too bad. There How was one. Have- there was one time I played guitar and you went up to the sound booth, being like, "I can't hear the guitar." <laughs> and turn, then they and turn then them they, up. And then they turned you up, and, and I was like, "Oh, I can I can hear the guitar. Turn it down." <laughs> That's that's probably true. <laughs> How many of those fourteen do you actually end up playing, though? Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I've been in a handful of bands over the years. So, like, when you have a band, you have like your main guitar. That's like, oh, this is the concept of guitar that I want for this band. And then I start going like, oh, I need backups, mm-hmm. and then I get a backup for each guitar in that band. So that constitutes at least nine of my guitars. So they stick around basically on stick sentimental around. value or what? Some of them do. Also, I'll show you later. I have a lot of weird project guitars. Okay. Where it's like, I'm never going to get the value out of this that I put into it. And it's so weird that I just kind of have to keep it around. Like I made a Fender Flying V. Yeah. Okay. I wish people could see the look on your face right now. <laughs> uh, I also made a... Could be ex- interesting. I also made an Explorer with a Fender neck. And a Bigsby and the custom pick art. I'll show you all yeah, this see, weird stuff. I've got a bunch of electric guitars. I don't have a single like duplicated tone in my entire electric guitar. Yeah, all my stuff is different too, but it's like different in the way where it can back up another guitar. Right. The, the closest right. I have to like similar guitars is probably my Red Telecaster and my Jagstang. Both have the the HS configuration. Yeah, yeah. But then one has a trim, and one will go out of phase. We're getting into like a whole other topic here. Let's talk about the topic topic that we're going to talk about. The topic topic was sent to us by Isaac Vining, and he wants to hear gig stories. Yeah, he wants to hear about weird stuff that happens at gigs Yeah, and different things and uh, experiences. So the funny thing, Isaac, I know, I know this for a fact because Isaac and I have known each other for a very long time. Uh and I know this now because we're friends on the internet. He plays drums for the Indiana Pacers. Huh? Which doesn't mean anything to anyone but me. <laughs> uh, Jody and I are both like, crap. Like our eyes just went a little blank. Like, I, was, said, I was like trying a, to calculate, is that football, baseball, I said that basketball? like it was going to be this awesome <laughs> thing, only, and then the I only, realized who I was talking the only, to. There's like a strip club in town called Pacers. Oh my gosh. I don't think they're... Oh, is that still a thing? I here? have no idea. I think they've changed their name. Anyway, so... The, <laughs> So the Indiana Pacers are uh, are a professional basketball team. Oh, okay. And they have like a drum section. I don't really understand Interesting. it. Interesting. But he is part of like the guy, one of the guys that gets rotated through like their drum pit for these like professional basketball games. Wow. Like playing a drum kit or like he plays like, like a marching uh, drum. He plays like the last picture I saw. I think he was playing quad toms. Oh, so, okay. Uh, but yeah, those they, are like the rototoms that you wear, right? Yes. March through the arena at like halftime. They're I don't know what they do. They're like over on the side, but it's like 
I know, like, the last picture I saw was, like, quad toms, and then, like, two, like, maybe two quad toms and a snare, or, like, a quad tom and two snares. They're just like there that. to do rim shots in case an announcer tells a joke. Yeah, or, like, you know, when, <laughs> or when somebody misses a free throw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would start getting into sports if that was the case. Yeah. Every time you go to shoot, there's a drum roll. Yeah, totally. Every time somebody misses a shot, there's a tr- there's a sad trombone. Yeah, <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> then I would understand sports. Yeah. <laughs> oh, something sad happened. It's and like was, subtitles for I the would, hearing impaired. I would start to make connections of, as far as what was going on because I have no idea what's going on with any of these sports. <laughs> Steve is chewing and making uh, hilarious faces. I That's wish you true. Could, I wish you could see them. All right. So, um, <laughs> the first story that came to mind for me was, I mean, we've told a bunch of stories about our bands. Yeah. Yeah. That's Do you true. have something that you haven't told before? I don't, I, we probably told this before, but the first thing that came to mind for me was the, what was planned to, or what maybe wasn't planned, but was originally going to be the last, your favorite band show. Uh huh. Which was uh, at the soda bar. Oh, yeah. And the only person that showed up was Charles. Uh-huh. And, like, maybe... Not that that's a bad thing. We love Charles. Yeah, thanks, Charles. He, I don't think he listens. I know he used to. Yeah, he doesn't play guitar, though, so that... By this point, he's not 61 episodes deep. Like, oh, yeah, totally still listening He might to be. This. He works in programming. He doesn't have anything better to do. <laughs> Charles, if you don't have anything better to do, and you're hearing this episode, confirm by messaging us on um, Facebook. But anyway... Um, so we we played this show, and then afterwards was kind of when we were going through like the breaking up process. Uh huh. And which a lot was, of crying and cold showers. And, yeah, I miss you guys. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like going to the movies alone and <laughs> <laughs> not having anything to do on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we did the show at this little bar in San Diego, and it's not that small. Well, yeah. Uh, it's like a 300 person venue. I don't think th- it's 300, but anyway. 275. Okay. 299. Okay. Uh, uh, it's probably more like, I would be surprised if they could fit 100 people in there. Dude, no way. It's, it's bigger Is than... It, you think it's bigger than We that? used to fit 150 people in the park gallery. Soda bar is easily yeah, twice Yeah, we twice totally violated all kinds of fire code at the park gallery. Yeah, but I'm saying that you could you could fit 300 people in there easily. All right. So anyway... um. We played this show and literally it was like the sound guy and the band that opened for us, which was like two people and the bartender and Charles and maybe one other person. Uh huh. That was like the thing. And then afterwards we were like, yeah, uh, like let's do something else now. And then I was like, I was like, no, we need to do, we need to do, like, we need to end this right. Like, yeah, I don't want to end this in front of like five people. I want to end this in front of like a hundred people. Uh huh. Um, but I, I at that, least ten people. <coughs> <coughs> this was supposed 10. to be your like final show as a band. Well, we it wasn't. It we wasn't really know. planned that way. We didn't know it was going to be our final show, but then like <laughs> after we played it, our drummer, friend of the show, Adam Powell, guy who composed our, our theme music. Uh, was basically like, oh, I want to go do my own stuff now. Yeah. So, and he had a pretty good run at that. Like yeah, doing sure. It with his own band, and that that's fine. But it was one of those things where it would have been fine if if like the last memory was like 
That was awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So Go we, out on a bang, you know? So we ended up putting something else together that was like an advertised last show. And someone made cupcakes. I don't remember who. I don't remember the cupcakes. Uh, yeah, there were cupcakes. What I remember about that show is that that was the point in my life where I, I had just like, I was working towards being self-employed. And so I was working two jobs and living off of fast food. And uh, and I was like 60 pounds heavier at that point. Like I had gotten really fat. And we decided to do this final show and play every song that we had ever written, which was like 30 songs. It wasn't 30 songs, but I think we did play one song twice. It was a lot of songs. It was more than 20 songs. Because we played like early sketch, like we only played it once live type stuff. Yeah. I blew out my voice probably 15 songs in. I blew, I broke like three strings on my guitar, like 20 songs in. And then the last three songs, I threw the guitar into the audience and just, it was just drums and bass and just me on the mic trying to make my voice work at all but but it was something where it was like it was great energy it was something where everyone who was there was there to see us and like we set up the show the way we wanted and it was going off as like you know it was headlining the way that headlining should be where like a bunch of people were there to see you and people who like knew the words and knew kind of what we were all about which was high energy noise yeah and uh they were like, oh, yeah, Ryan's not playing guitar. This is all drum and bass. Who cares? Like, this is a party atmosphere. It's still fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the guitar was literally on the floor, and I was, like, kicking it and, like, having other people kick it and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. I don't care about this guitar at this point. Let's just trash it. Um, Yeah. I have a... Talking about the soda bar, though, last time I played there, it was crazy. We set up the show for Dinosaur Ghost for my surf band. We show up, and the other two bands were touring acts. Like, they were from, like, Seattle or something. They roll up. We're all setting up. The stage is all backlined with their stuff. We're setting up our stuff. All of a sudden, the sound guy's like, oh, the soundboard blew out. Uh, the show's canceled. <laughs> and we're like, uh, we're an instrumental band? <laughs> we don't need a sound system. Good to go. We've got three, you know, 100-watt amps. We're going to be just fine. And he's like, no, no, show's canceled, show's canceled. And they were, like, throwing this huge attitude about it. And we finally figured out the vibe was everyone who was working that night just wanted to go home. Jeez. Like, they didn't want to work. They and just it, saw it as a night off. Yeah, so. like, oh, Sandboard's broken. Oh, I get to go home and watch uh, Shark Tank. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, it's like, at that point, you don't even need a sound, dude. So it's like... You all can leave. Is the are you guys closing the bar at nine? They closed the bar at like nine o'clock. Jeez! And so the crate, the we thankfully the show got saved. Uh, the guy who was the door guy there is friends with people at the Tower Bar. Oh, okay. Which is like a local dive in uh, what's that area called? City Heights. City Heights. And so he did. This some- just became like. Yeah, Huel Hauser, San Diego, super podcast. local pod oriented podcast. So he did some phone calls. They weren't doing anything that night. Everyone loaded all their stuff, drove up to the tower bar, unloaded our stuff again, and we resumed the show there. Like the show was canceled at nine. We were all playing by ten thirty. That's it, wild. The show wrapped up at like at closing time. So that's it, but it, that's 
It ended up perfect, and we were able to get enough news out on social media that people who were coming to our show made it there instead. Right. That's the way the music scene should operate, though. Yeah. Where it's like people are just working together, and it's like, oh, this PA blew up. Let's just go find another bar where they're not doing a show tonight and just move the entire show over there. Yeah, and it yeah, turned out great. Not? We probably had about 50 people there. Which Once- for you guys is like playing yeah. Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, most of those people were for the other band. And the, 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 the thing about the Tower Bar is that the Tower Bar is great because it's an old school bar where people just go there. Right. No matter what's going on. Like, there doesn't need to be an event. There's just an, always a crowd. So, there's that. Uh, but it turned out to be a really great, fun night, really positive uh, despite Soda Bar trying to ruin it for us, and I'm not trying to dog on Soda Bar. I we've played. I played some great shows there. Yeah, I've seen some great shows there. It's a really like. There's a, a really quali- neat vibe going. It's on a quality there. venue, but the the people working there that night definitely were thinking more about going home. It sounds like the boss had a night off, and they just yeah. decided, yeah. "Well, we will too." Yeah. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, it's, it's broken. Doesn't work. We all had to go home. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. So you were saying that you might have some stories. You've done all kinds of touring stuff. Um, I spent years shooting uh, bands and stuff. But like even, an assassin? Yeah. Totally. James, <laughs> James Bond. Big money in that. Uh, no, I was a photographer for years, and I did a lot of trips like that. But even before that, um, the one that I can remember in particular, when I was just starting to shoot photos, I went on the road with a friend's punk band, and uh-huh. like a full you know DUI. DUI. DIY. <laughs> well, prob- probably also DUI, but Possibly, carry on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like a self book tour around the States. Right. And, uh, Was this, or is this local? Are you, are you from San Diego? Uh, originally, I'm from Canada. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. I shouldn't make Canada jokes in no. the presence of a Canadian. I'll probably. Oh, get, you did in the it. last one. I just. Did I? I didn't hear it. I probably um, did. Steve, you made Canada jokes? What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) Uh, no, so these guys had booked, you know, a tour around doing like the circumference of the whole country. Uh And, you know, when you're a nobody band, you're kind of hoping on the goodwill of bars and whatnot. Uh And uh, you play house parties, you play all kinds of stuff like that. But uh, they got a chance to play at the 930 Club in Washington, D.C., which is a legendary venue. And... You know, as a band that nobody'd heard of in DC, they they let them know, like, look, we're we're nobody. They're right. like, oh, don't worry, you know, it's it's like a a whole night. There's a bunch of different bands. Like, we'll put you on with a bunch right. of different people, and sounded cool. So you roll in there. Nobody knows who you are, of course. Why would they? But uh, we get to the venue, and uh, the guy who was I forget if he was managing the venue or if he was the main doorman or what he was, but he was from like a legendary DC band. So, you know, we're all in awe of this guy and like uh-huh. he's telling us stories all night. We're like, wow, this guy's awesome. And then the show rolls around and I think the headliner band never showed up. Uh, <laughs> the other band that was playing was like their first show ever and they had like maybe two or three people and nobody knew who our friend's band was at all. Oh my gosh. So, you know, there was more employees in the band, in the bar than there were patrons. Uh-huh. Jeez. We've been there. So, whatever, you know, they played their show anyway. They look at it as, hey, we get to practice, you know, on a sound system. Like, cool. And the show ends and 
when we go to load out, the guy who'd been so nice to us the whole night, who's, you know, this legendary, I don't want to even say their name because people know uh, who this band is, turns into basically the anti-band guy and uh, locks the doors. And he's like, yeah, he you guys... the doors? Locks the doors so that you can't load out and says, basically, you know, you've got to cover this fee to cover the staff and the sound system and all this stuff for oh the night. Gosh. So you're basically held at ransom in this like legendary club that you've been waiting for months to get to. Jeez. You know. So can't you like call the cops and be like, uh, we're being held hostage. We've been kidnapped. By, <laughs> I mean, by first a of all, this owner? is you know this is before we even had cell phones in our pocket. Right, right. So it's like, um, yeah, can I borrow your phone? We want to call the police on you. No, you <laughs> like, really oh, gonna... let me call my buddy. I get one hundred fifty yeah. bucks. So. Uh, hindsight's oh, twenty twenty. Let, let me call. Let me call my locked, buddy, DC Metro. Yeah, <laughs> we're locked in here. He's gonna start cutting off fingers. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, and I, I got it. I don't. On like you, Ryan, you handle the sixty cycle hum Instagram account, Instagram dot com slash sixty cycle hum most of the time, uh, and I'll post a picture every once in a while. But then I switch back to my personal account because oh, I, okay. I use that a lot. And uh, but I kind of got into it with like a promoter from Los Angeles that's like following us. I saw that. I saw all the the comments of you guys going back and forth. Just getting into like the pay to play. Just kind of getting into that because she was saying like. Hey, how do you guys convince like local bands not to play free shows and like to to book with you and to play like ten dollar shows? And I was like, you you just need to stress what what you as a promoter bring to the table and like what the venue brings. But you know, you also have to understand like it's hard on the band side. And the f- interesting thing is, this girl was like a promoter and also part of a band. But for us, like for Ryan and I and the two bands we were in, the only times we really made money was when we played free shows. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not about merch. It's not about money. It's you know, it's about artistry and whatever, but like for us it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a song. I don't think it was about either of those things. We had a song. <laughs> the, the very the very first song that was like an official song. Uh-huh. Uh the um one of the lines to one of the verses, like which was like the first line was, we don't want your money. Okay, maybe we do. <laughs> uh, because you can't sell out when you're all about the money from the beginning. Right, then you're sold True. Yeah. That, that's what you wanted you from the beginning. You put your cards on the table. Yeah, so if you, you ever decide to become artistic, then you've sold out. <laughs> um, but but so, so I'm having this conversation with this, with this uh, promoter. And I was like, you just have to stress, like, you got to stress the local music angle, supporting the local scene. But, like, you need to, like, make it an incentive for the band. And she's like, well, what about supporting local music? And, you know, there's all of these other hands that have to get paid. Like, the promoter's got to get paid. The sound guy's got to get paid. The lighting guy's got to get paid. The door guy's got to get paid. The ticket guy's got to get paid. And I I understand all that. And that's tough. You know, you're selling a $10 ticket and you've got to split it, like, Uh six or seven ways. Um, but at the same time, it's hard, like when Ryan and I were doing shows and I don't know if it's different now, but we were doing shows where it was like, sell this $10 ticket, but pre-sale, like sell this, this ticket is $10 at the door. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a dollar per head, but you can pre-sale it. And we encourage you to pre-sale at $9 and just eat your $1. Like basically try and fill it up, basically take your $1 per head 
and eat that off the top. And so they right. would they would be like, if you don't get this amount of pre-sale tickets, um, then you're not going to play, basically. So they would. So the the insinuation was like, you need to sell all these tickets to play the show, and then bands that were greener than we were or more impressionable than we were would put in their own money to buy, buy their own tickets. tickets. Yeah. So well, they, they weren't putting in their own money or putting in their know, parents' we, money. We, we, we would we, when we, we did this band. We were adults. Yeah, like, we were young. Like we were in our early twenties. College but, graduates, but there wasn't like our parents weren't sitting at home going, "These guys could be the next Blink One Eighty Two, you know, right, right. which is what. So what, we we would roll up to these things like they'd be like, "Oh, here's your forty presales, sell all these so you can play the show." We would roll up to the venue and be like, "We sold uh we sold three of these. Uh, we we'll walk away. We don't have to play the show," and they'd be like. Oh, uh, okay. You can play then. We'll Wait, just... you called our bluff. Yeah, we would, yeah. Call, we would yeah. call their bluff, and they'd always let us play. We didn't do it, but we really thought like for our last show, we did a free show. We a friend of ours, um, it was like a basement show. W- w- had a was a youth pastor at a church with a basement, and they would do shows in the basement. Mm-hmm. And so we set up with him, and we just we did we did a, actually like three or four shows with him. And they were just basement shows, and we could pretty much be as loud as we wanted and and party as hard as we wanted within you know the structure of a church. Uh, <laughs> we know. we just binge ate pizza. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it, it was, was like a crazy party. It was like pizza and candy fest, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and but Mountain it was like super, for a room full of sugar high. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean it was super chill. But we actually thought about going to one of these pay to play venues, getting like forty tickets or whatever, like and just giving them away. Playing the show and then disappearing from the face of the earth. <laughs> As just like, a- but the whole pay to play scheme is so broken and such garbage. And I'm so glad to hear that most venues aren't doing it anymore. Yeah, because it was this whole thing that they tried out in like the late '90s, like and 2000s around here, like. Oh, if we get eight bands on a bill and they all pay to play, yeah. then the venue makes their money no matter what, and it doesn't matter how many people show up. So you had all these shows where the only people in the audience are band people. Yeah, exactly. They're only band members for eight bands that get fifteen minute shows with you know ten minutes on each side of the show, tear down and set up, and no one's entertained. No You're one's... Basically, it's not really a show. Yeah, yeah just, you spend yeah. more time tearing up and setting but, down than you do playing music yeah, the person you were talking to on instagram who's like oh how do i pay this person how do i pay this person how do they pay this person if you have that kind of instru- infrastructure for your venue you just need to start hiring professional bands right that are worth that it doesn't matter if they're cover bands it doesn't matter if they're touring acts that have a following you're on the level where you need to be paying well i bands. think if you have that much of a staff you've got the kind of operation exactly. where you can be ending, supporting real music he, here's you know? the thing there's not the the band uh, <laughs> base right now to support that locally because right. everyone's been conditioned by this pay-to-play thing where basically it's hurt me- local music because basically you can be the worst band in the world and still get any gig you want as long as you pay to play. Well, you know, if I- you make it to where you have to be a professional band that is professionally entertaining right, and is worth your pay and people will come to a, cl- a bar or a club just because they know that bar or club pays professional, professionally entertaining bands to be there. 
then that fixes the music scene. Well, I, you know, I think there's also like a level of like, you need to figure out what your bottom lines are across the board. Sure. And just lay that out there. Like, I think there's a transparent, at least when we were doing shows, there was a transparency that didn't exist. Where like, we were looking at it going like, well, how much does it take to rent out this venue for a night? Right. And pay all the people. Like, if the sound guy is doing like five hours of work and he's taking home like, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks like that's fine but when the sound guy takes home 200 bucks and you we take home zero bucks like that's yeah like at the end of the day i think there has to be some level of respect for yeah all these people need to get paid but at the end of the day as a bass player i can run my own sound oh totally like i'm not a moron i can push the volume button up it might sound like crap but at least their sound hey, system. Most venues sound like crap. Already, that's true. So. The, but, but what I'm getting at is like when you don't pay the band, if that band doesn't show up, you don't have a show. If that sound person doesn't show up, somebody can go push a volume button. And that's not a knock on sound people because, you know, sound, a, a good sound person can make or break a show. Oh, well, absolutely. Let's be honest. Like, absolutely. I've worked with sound people where at the end of the night, like I wanted to just like strangle that person. <laughs> And I've worked with sound people where at the end of the night, I was like, this is the best show we've ever played. And it's because you made yeah. us sound awesome. Yeah. Also, if you're a venue that you have to be like doing the pay to play thing, maybe you need to look at your business and realize you probably shouldn't be in business. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, your numbers don't work. Yeah. And that stuff kind of makes more sense for like all ages venues where it's like high school bands or whatever. And they can bring in, you know, a population of people from the high school who's pumped on them. Yeah. And you know, but, but that's if where community center gigs yeah. and stuff like that can really and take plus, over. If you're all ages and you don't have a bar and you've got to make money somehow, if you have a bar, you don't need to charge at the door for shows. If you have yeah. a little, yeah, stage. you just need to get heads because you're gonna make your overhead on beer is is huge. Yeah, you're gonna make your money back at the bar, and if you're charging at the door, the majority of that needs to go to the band. That's the thing I love about Tower Bar is they actually take good care of the bands. They're, oh, yeah. they're, they are a filthy little dive, but they give the majority of the door money to the band. So they right. divide it three or four ways, depending on how many bands there are. I think they take, yeah, I think it's cut like the band gets a cut, the band gets a cut, the band gets a cut, the door gets a cut, and it's all even. All right. Uh, but they recognize the bar is the thing that's making the money. Yeah. And the yeah. value that you're bringing the people through the door exactly. to buy those beers. You know, in the there's, first there's people that will cruise, you know, uh, a strip of like five where they know there's like, you know, six bars within eight blocks and they're just going to go into the one that has the coolest music going on. Sure. Sure. So, uh, we're we're getting a little off topic. Uh, you guys got any more other stories? I've got a story from a friend of ours sure uh i'm not gonna say his name just in case he doesn't want us to say that's fine with his name attached to it but we have a friend who used to go on tours with uh like punk and emo bands i think um and uh he was dating a friend of ours who cuts our hair oh okay okay now you know who i'm talking about yeah okay so he was going on a tour with the band and i think he was like the singer or the like the lead guitarist or whatever and life on the road is tough the things you're eating the way you're sleeping the you know all that sort of stuff he got real sick and he was sick for like a couple of weeks one night he was out on stage and he had just been 
It's like stomach ill, like bad scene. He's on stage. He's doing his darndest. He's putting on the best show he can. He's dripping sweat. He feels just awful. And he's kind of an acrobatic little guy. Right. He does this high kick, which is part of his like his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize that the whole time he's been playing, he's been involuntarily like defecating himself. <laughs> <laughs> so when he does this high kick, everything just sprays out of his pants all <laughs> over the audience. That's awesome. And he sees it was happen. Was your friend's name Gigi Allen? I, no, I wish that was my friend. Uh, he sees it spray over the whole audience. The audience doesn't realize what just happened. They think it's just sweat. He sees it all over them, and he's like, oh, no. Slowly, people are starting to smell it and look at each other and be like, <laughs> what is on us? <laughs> it was just this gross, gross wow. situation. So that's the story that I have from someone else. I don't think I can. I, you know, I was trying Top to think that. of other Top stories, it. but. <laughs> that's not even like a venue story. That's just like life on the road story. That's just pure unfortunate. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the front row. <laughs> I th- the way it sounded, it sounded like it made it to the back. Wow. <laughs> like he did these, like a serious high kick. Wow. Oh my gosh. Projectile. <laughs> We, well, you know, we did that, uh, you know, we always talk about how great church shows are. They're not always so great. We did that Halloween show. You did a high kick in church? And- <laughs> oh, no. We, well, uh, Halloween kind of show. Along those lines. We did a Halloween show out at a, at a San Diego mega church, so I won't name who they are. Because, oh, yeah, the one where you they, got your face kicked They could in. crush us with lawyers if they really wanted to. Um, because they, they have millions upon millions of dollars and, um, we did this show and it was us and Daniel Tyak's band. Uh-huh. And then like, and then like two of these like kind of metal core, hardcore bands. And we were kind of like this alternative punk, like dead Kennedys meets something less punk than dead Kennedys (laughs) thing going on. (laughs) What we would always say is that we were a mixture of, uh, of Lent Biscuit and Huey Lewis. <laughs> is that, is we, that who it was? We didn't know who to say. We Lent Lewis. Like, yeah, but but you know the the Dead Kennedys comparison. That's we the had power some, of the Nookie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we we had some some people that listened to our music and were like, oh, this really reminds me of Dead Kennedys, right. and they were right. And uh, there were and there was definitely like that kind of like surfy <laughs> punk influence going on on some of our songs. And then we had some other songs that were just kind of like more straight ahead, like just old school three chord, yeah, like kind of proto punk seventies kind of a thing, sixty late sixties early. Sure. Anyway, sure. anyway, the point being, so we played this show, and in San Diego and probably everywhere, like the whole basically the metalcore scene in general, just in the heart metalcore hardcore scene, just didn't get along with anybody. They don't have a sense of humor because it was like we're, just take themselves way yeah, too seriously. Yeah. So we do this set and like we're done. And then uh, Daniel Tyek's band, Sweetheart, they did their set and they're done. And then this metal band gets up and um, like they've, there's this big space for like a pit, but nobody's in it except for I think Ryan and Daniel are in the middle of the pit just standing there with like their arms folded. (laughs) And like, 
because it was empty. It was just this big empty circle in this huge room. Right. And we were we were doing some silly little dance moves here and there, too. Yeah, like silly things. So, like, I go in, and I was outside, like, I don't just trying to sell merchandise or something. I don't know. But I come back inside, and I stand next to you guys, and some dude from the edge comes and, like, elbows, throws, like, an elbow in my back. And so, like, I knew who the guy was because he, like, turned around. I turned around, and he's like, <laughs> So I go and, like, push the dude. And then, like, his buddy pushes me down from the side, and then he comes over and boots me in the face. Like, while I'm down on the ground. Like it, This is at a church? This know, is right? at a church. Okay. Full, in the, this in dude, the 90s, like, full-on Doc Martens me in the yeah. face. In the 90s and the, in the kind of early 2000s, like, all the Southern California churches were basically just hosting shows just as, like... Just to do it, I guess. Yeah, this was just like, to give kids this was a place like to go. One kind of thing. three or four shows we did at this place, and some of them would would try to do like the really awkward like bait and switch thing, like oh now the youth mm-hmm. pastor is going to come out and give a message. But we didn't like to play those shows. No, but a lot of sh- a lot of churches would just host concerts for whatever reason, and it wasn't even like you know, it wasn't Christian bands or anything. It was just whoever just giving kids a place. Yeah, it was, just, it just, was usually like whatever kids yeah. happened to go to church there that wanted their band, like a venue for their band yeah. to play at. And, and you know, if there were concessions there or something, I'm sure churches were getting something out of it. I don't yeah. know. That, and I'm sure not. a lot of families like wouldn't let their kid go somewhere, but Oh, it's at the church. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. There I was mean, definitely when, I, that. when I was in high school, my first like dozen shows that I ever went to, like and I'm talking like like punk and hardcore shows and stuff like that. We're all at churches. <laughs> like I didn't because there were no venues. Well, around. that's because Dogwood, man. Yeah, there was a you know there was a whole like Dogwood and POD and NIV kind yeah. of scene uh, when I was coming up in high school, and I didn't even like any of that music. But <laughs> I was just going to hang out with my friends. But like all those shows were church shows, just because you know it didn't it didn't it was just a venue really. But there's this whole scene of, you know, the hardcore kids who just didn't have any sense of humor and were willing to uh, kick Steve in the face. Yeah, I broke my glasses. (laughs) You didn't break uh, your glasses. Well, I got my glasses broke. And then the venue guy, the security guys are like, are you okay? I'm like, well, yeah, I just got my my glasses broke. Like, all right, cool. Uh, As long as you're not like really hurt. And my mom was like, I was like, I don't know. I was still living at home, like 20 years old or whatever. And my mom was like, pissed yeah, she's like she's like you could my mom's a nurse and she's like you could have had like a concussion you could like come home and like died in your sleep from a concussion or whatever i'm like i don't know like i just played a show and i got kicked in the face like i don't know what to it do. happens yeah <laughs> you know every other day sort of stuff yeah you know, yeah whatever yeah so that was i mean i've been in some rush mop some rough mosh pits but i've never been kicked in the face because mosh pits are all like the good mosh pits are all about like fall down they pick you up mu- exactly. it's about yeah it's yeah. about mutual Not fall down kick you in the face yeah it's about <laughs> it's a bit that's but, more of like a mugging yeah yes. i think you got mugged <laughs> it, did you have you your know, wallet after that like like a good like a good mosh pit and like we had these at the park gallery when we were running that thing it's it's about like mutual for lack of a better way of putting it it's, it's mutual violence it's you know i'm gonna i'm gonna you know chest bump you i'm gonna throw it's an, rough housing I'm, I'm gonna throw an elbow like in your into your arm like i'm gonna slug you in the arm and then you're gonna slug me in the arm and it's gonna be cool it's just because we're all just but like then there's always partying. that one in 10 or 1 in 20 guy who's like yeah there's the yeah. one dude that's like I showed up drunk. I'm there to punch you in the face like <laughs> I, I, there's a guy that's like I showed up drunk or 
I, you know, did a line of, I, you know, I smoked some meth before I came in, or I, you know, did a line of cocaine in the parking well, lot or whatever. Dick. Oh, totally. We had guys People who are just dicks. We had guys <laughs> doing, we had guys shooting up heroin like at church shows. Yeah. We, Steve and I used to, we've mentioned at the park gallery, we used to run a little uh, venue that was on the property of a church, but in like a building that was left vacant. Mm-hmm. So we kind of took over the building and we running a venue in there and we kind of attracted like a gutter punk crowd. Yeah. With the, the, the church was down had. with it because like for a lot of those people, that was the only way they were ever setting foot on church property. Yeah. So it was almost like good enough for them. Like, yeah. Sure, but there sure. were, at least they're here. And I think they were just stoked to see that building being used for anything. Yeah. And, and it allowed us to have some conversations with people that like otherwise would go out of their way to 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 not talk to Christians. Mm. Um but there were that we I had guys that like you know we ran everything under the table pretty much everything was free. We would if a band was on tour we'd collect like we'd pass around a gas money bucket for touring bands. Oh, yeah. that's cool. But like if a police officer ever came and we had police We were basically a venue for the musicians. Yeah, like, if a if a police officer ever came more in of a collective and said, than a venue. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, if they ever came in and said can, can we see your permits, that would have been the end of your the venue because we didn't have any. We had police in there who were for different reasons. Uh but we had guys <laughs> we had guys who would like try to sneak in six packs. I'd be like, listen, dude, like you can go across the street to the elementary school and drink that or whatever, but don't it, blow it for us. But yeah. yeah, like don't screw this up for the other hundred. Like we have a hundred and fifty people in a in like a building smaller than this house. Yeah, well, smaller than this room almost. Yeah, like maybe the maybe a a longer than this room. Sure, sure. Like if you took this room and the dining people on the podcast are like, hooray! God, you're pointing at, this, at things we can see. It's a kitchen and a living room put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Do we have any other stories that we want to talk about? I could, we could tell. I could tell at least one park gallery story. The night the windows got broken, <sighs> I was there by myself. We're in an hour ten right now. Ah, uh, I'll say that for another night, okay. another episode. Then uh, we can do more stories. Do you have any other stories, Jody? Uh, my brain's not really functioning at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Fair. It's a nine forty on a Friday night, end of the week. You know, yeah. Ty- Daniel Tyak was complaining that our morning episodes where we record in the morning are too slow for him. Uh, I feel like we're more mentally present then, and maybe that's why we're slower, because we can kind of plan our stuff out more. That's probably exactly what it is. Friday nights, we're just ragged from the week. We both, Steve and I both have babies. We've both been, like, skipping sleep all week long, doing our work. Now it's Friday night. And we're just bushed, and we're just squeezing out this show as hard as we can. <laughs> Sorry, people. I yeah. hope you, you've been I, squeezed. I hope you guys appreciate all that we've done for you, all right, and so, all the chewing sounds Steve has been making this entire episode—the <laughs> slurping and the so, burping. So, in addition to our topic, we're going to play a song from Isaac Vining. Yeah, this is the song, Isaac. This is from another one of his projects called "The Bike Walk." You can check him out: Facebook.com/slash/TheBikeWalk. Instagram at the bike walk. Uh, he says um, this song is called "Spilling the Wine." It was his first time ever using a Strat in the studio, and it was a hoot. It's a laid back <laughs> indie rock tune that makes you want to sit on the front porch as the sun goes down with the cheap beer. Uh, he said he used some '60s Strat with a borrowed Silverface Twin, 
a Keeley compressor and a Jekyll and Hyde overdrive and a Giga Delay for slap. Um, so again, this band's called The Bike Walk. This song is called Spilling the Wine. Hope you on the on the email. Didn't he have a recommended uh, beers thing? Yeah, he recommended a beer that we can't get. Um, it was called New Holland's Dragon's Milk. New Holland, I think, is an Indiana brewery. It so sounds they're, great. They're Midwest. Um, That's so a great, uh, great collection of words there that make me thirsty. Dragon's milk and New Holland. New Holland. Uh, Didn't yeah. he have another thing that he recommended? He recommended Lagunitas Hop Stupid, which is what we had two episodes ago. I feel like there's another thing on that email that he recommended. I just closed it, dude. Oh man, let me find it. He recommended. <sighs> oh, he recommended a bear. Oh right, a Himalayan brown. Oh, I don't even know what that is. It's a, a bear. It's a, it's a type of bear. Which like bear Ivan's is best? Bear? <laughs> Maybe it is. He has bear. He has bear. <laughs> I need the bear. Who Watch has, out for Ivan, dude. Who has yeah, my bear? Isaac, if Ivan shows up, give him the bear. All right, here's the song. All right, have a good one, guys.
smoking me 